Well, good morning, everyone. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning, whether you're here with us in person or you're watching online. So why don't you go ahead and stand with us as we just prepare our hearts for worship and invite the Spirit to move today. I feel it in my bones, you're about to move. I feel it in the wind, you're about to ride in. You said that you would pour your spirit out. You said that you would fall on sons and daughters. So
Till from heaven you came running, there was mercy in your eyes. To fulfill the law and prophets, to a virgin came the word. From a throne of endless glory, to a cradle in the dirt.
so amazing that we serve a God who invites us to bring everything before his feet. Amen. As we continue in our time of worship this morning with time and prayer, I just again want to recognize that we know that while there may be many of us that are celebrating joys and triumphs in our lives, there are just as many of us who are working through difficult, emotional, painful times. So I invite you in this moment, if that is you, if you are dealing with something difficult, either on your behalf or for someone else, I just want to invite you in this moment to take a seat and just allow your brothers and sisters in Christ to come around you, to lay hands on you, and just have an opportunity to pray for you as we join together in this time. If you bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we are thankful and grateful that we have a chance to be united as a body of Christ together this morning in worship. We thank you for the ways that you are moving in our lives and we thank you for the ways that you are going to show up in our lives amidst the joys and the triumphs, amidst the difficulties and the sorrows. Lord, as we come together, we are reminded that not only here at our Spring Lake campus, but around the Spring Lake in the Grand Haven area, there are so many churches who are coming together, gathering together, and I pray that we would all just be united in the message, in the truth, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that everything that comes from our lips, our conversations would all be honoring and glorifying to you. And as we recognize that we have missionaries who are serving globally across the world, reaching people for the gospel in the farthest corners, we think specifically this morning of our brothers and sisters that are working in the Turkic Arabic area of the Middle East, Lord. We pray that you will resource them with opportunities and translations for resources to be able to give to people for discipleship and growth and evangelism, Lord. And this Sunday morning, we have a unique and special opportunity, Lord, just to come together and offer you thanks and praise for the sanctity of life that you have at every phase. Lord, we thank you that from the youngest to the oldest of us, Lord, that you care about each and every phase of life from the moment that we exit the womb, Lord, till the moment that we enter the tomb. And so, Lord, we want to come before this morning offering specific prayers over the unborn, Lord, for protection, for care and compassion. And Lord, for mothers and fathers all over the place that are facing unplanned pregnancies, moments that they were not prepared for, I pray that they would continue to experience compassion, kindness and hope, not just from friends and family, Lord, but above that for us, Lord, from the body of Christ, from you. And Lord, we also know that those, there are those that are around us that are broken and hurting and that are, are struggling living with post-abortive choices, Lord. And we recognize those people and we pray that you would just extend your love, your grace, your forgiveness, and your mercy towards them. Allow them just to experience the fullness and wholeness of your presence and your healing in the midst of that. And for those families and people that we know, Lord, that are not able to have kids on their own, Lord, we recognize the burden, the sadness that that, that carries as the, the unfulfillment of dreams and longings that we have. Lord, would you just place a hand of comfort and peace over those? And in each and every one of those circumstances, may we continue to be the fullest extent of the body of Christ, your hands and feet, as we seek to love and serve those as we affirm 
the sanctity of life that you have granted and given each and every one of us. So Lord, it is in all these things that we are gathered together, thankful and grateful for who you are. And pray that we will go from this time empowered to continue to love you and to love others as you have called us to. We pray all of these things in your name. Amen. As I invite you guys to take a seat, we come together this Sunday morning recognizing the sanctity of life. And while I understand for many of us that this may be a charged issue, we have an opportunity right now to listen to some reflections that Pastor Pete had after a conversation with Positive Options, a pregnancy resource center here. And they are encouraging us as a church to engage in this issue in a way that rises above the politics and above the noise. So I would encourage you guys, take a moment and look at the screens as we engage with this video. I think all of us know that this issue of the unborn is a lightning rod political issue. And it's tended to all center around a stand on just the issue of abortion. That's the whole totality of it and whether people are advocating to protect life or not. And so for us as a church, it's easy to say, we're definitely on the side of protecting life. That's the life ethic we hold. But to only make that, it's been a very incomplete ethic and it doesn't put us in the midst of life. And so one of the pieces we learned really from positive options was that you can hold the, the value, but if that's all people hear, oftentimes they're left with, they're not gonna talk to you about it. and if they do have an abortion, they're never gonna tell you and they're gonna feel unforgiven. And we went, that's such an incomplete way to reach out. And so for us, it in no way diminishes. We are all for, we are pro-life and we will protect that. But we felt it needed a kinder, gracious engagement for people. And, and the simplest way to say it, to rise above the politic is that we realize it's a complicated issue with a lot of pieces. And so we're not pitting one thing against another we're holding that God will always be for life and that one of those facets is protecting the unborn from abortion. But there are other facets we protect that they come through to pregnancy. There's other things we protect in young lives. There's things we protect to the life of the mother and the father and that we walk with people however they walk, we still walk with them. So it is not the one issue we have to fight and almost, I guess, just it makes us unloving sometimes for the sake of truth is how do we still, we call it grace and truth, how do we give grace and kindness in an issue we hold to be true? And so for us, the political navigating is to not believe that legislating will change the world, but the love of Christ sacrificially will change. So when we move towards people and love them in it, we think that will have more of an impact than whether we vote about it. Church, we say it all the time around here, together because life is messy. And as we are working through all of life's different messes, we wanna come together and approach all of them with grace, with truth, and with compassion, amen. Well, good morning. Whether you are new this morning or whether you are returning and joining us, we are excited to be together worshiping as the body of Christ. As you'll see on the back of your seats, there's a QR code that leads to our Connect card. If you are brand new, I'd love to encourage you to fill that out just so we have a chance to connect with you 
to get to know more about who you are and to get to know your story. But if you've been coming here for a while, that Connect card also gives you a unique opportunity to let us know that maybe you're looking for an opportunity to explore the gifts and abilities that God has given you. Maybe you're looking for an opportunity to get more connected, or maybe you're just looking for an opportunity just for somebody to walk with you in the difficult things you're going through. Whatever that may be, we encourage you, use that Connect card. Allow us to have an opportunity to reach out and connect with you. As you are exiting today, you'll see out in the lobby, we have a shopping cart with some bags set up, and that is for our hand-to-hand ministry, helping to put food in the hands of children in our community that may not have access to it. So there are some lists of some food items that we are requesting for that, and we would encourage you guys to join together with us and partner with us in that ministry. As we come together now in the moment of our service where we have an opportunity to worship through our tithes and offerings, we want to thank you for your faithful and generous giving that allows us not only to impact the ministries within our building, the ministries that are out in our community, and the ministries that we have globally. If you are a regular attending member, we encourage you to give as an opportunity of praise and worship. If you are new here, there is absolutely no obligation to give. As you are walking out the doors, if you prefer to give physically, we have our black boxes by each of the exits, or as you can see up on the screen, we have our opportunities to give electronic as well. As we continue in our service this morning, we have a few more announcements, so if you would, turn your attention to the screens. Hi, I'm Amanda Potts, and this is my husband, Andy. And we've been attending All Shores since 2013. When we we considered leading our group. For me, it was a little bit intimidating because I'm not necessarily a great planner or coordinator, scheduler type person. But fortunately, I have my beautiful wife, Amanda, who is much better at doing all of those things than me. And so she was able to help out a lot in that regard. Biggest pullback or like hesitancy towards leading a group was probably the, the feeling of being inadequate. Um, like we did, did we didn't read the Bible enough? We weren't praying. We weren't like, you know, godly enough. That was my biggest pullback: is that if we were going to be able to be enough support for our girl. The best part about leading a group for me, just the ability to have people to go through life with who are at a similar stage in life. So there have been a lot of really big life changes and different things that we've all gone through together. And having that group of people to just do life with and lend a helping hand or just to listen as we struggle through things has been super meaningful. Having that family of support to go to at church and like you see each other at church and you feel like you belong because you have your family there. I would say if you're nervous about leading a group that you don't have to be perfect. There's, there's never going to be a perfect group leader or an ideal person to lead a group. I think there are enough resources and people that you can lean on in the church for advice and for guidance that as long as your heart is in the right place you can be successful leading a group and you can form meaningful relationships with people in your group and you will be able to see all of these people that you're with grow together and grow in Christ.
Shores family, I am really excited about an event that's coming up. In fact, it's one of my favorite events that we do as a church here at All Shores. On February 18th, we're going to have our Celebrate Marriage event. And I just personally want to invite you to come and to be a part of that. We're going to invite Danielle and John Freed as our speakers to come and just encourage us around healthy marriages. We've also got Megan Stark coming. Uh, she's been playing music for a number of years and just came out with her first album. And so she'll be there to provide entertainment. And then we'll also have a great meal. And again, I just want to encourage you to be a part of it. It's $30 per couple. You can find out more information about the event itself at allshores.org backslash events. But come on out and be a part of a great event to encourage your marriage. God, I'm reminded of how you've been present in my life in both the ups and the downs. As I have thought about the ways you have comforted me, showered me with your love, my heart is filled with thankfulness. Help me to not forget how you have always been present in every situation. In this next season, I am asking that you create within me a greater dependence on you, that I would hunger and thirst for your presence, that I would grow in my connection with you and with others. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to welcome those of you joining us online, all of you here in our Spring Lake campus, and as we did in the first service, we welcomed Muskegon and Coopersville as they're with us during that hour as well. Uh, in just a minute, I'm going to invite you to just pray in the quiet. We're in a season we call 21 Days of Prayer. It's, if you will, it's a way to begin our year dependent and looking to Jesus very specifically. It's also a laboratory, if you will, growing in our faith, and we'll look into that as we get into the passage today. I want to invite you to pray in the quiet, that we believe it's not about information or persuasion. It's not how much I can tell you or how I tell you. It's ultimately about the revelation of God, that God needs to speak and lead you. And so what we simply ask is in the quiet, would you be honest with God on where you are even in the pursuit of him, even in knowing him? Maybe you're with us, maybe you're online, and the whole idea of Jesus, this idea of a God who's with us and loves us, that God himself both created us and wants to be in connection to us is new, or you're struggling or wondering, tell him that. If you'd say you're a fully devoted, I'm following Jesus and moving in that direction, be honest of where that is today for you and anywhere in between. Simply be honest and ask God to speak in the quiet. You pray and then I'll pray for us. Lord, I thank you that you care about us, you love us, you made us for relationship with you. You to reveal yourself in our thoughts, our emotions, our experience, our understanding. So I am simply asking that you reveal yourself today, that you might 
give grace and kindness where we need it, that you might give the tenderness of conviction where we need it, that you might just give hope, peace, encouragement, life to us. Lord, I ask that anything I have to say that's not from you, let it fall to the ground. That might get in the way, let it fall to the ground and be forgotten. But I do pray that whatever is from you, whatever you want to do, both through my words and just simply on your own, would you move? Lord, I join with the psalmist praying the words I speak and the way we respond in our hearts and actions would please you, our rock and our redeemer. And then everybody said, amen, Amen, which just means it is true. We're agreeing. So I want to take you to an author, David Rubenstein. He did a work really about leadership. It's, It's a book on the wisdom of basically the most significant or successful CEOs, wrote it back not too long ago. In the book, he tells a story uh, of one particular leader that was working in Pepsi company. Uh, Her name was Indra Nui. Uh, She had just found out, as he recalls the story, that she was about to be named CEO. One of the board members had called her, and she went home thrilled to tell her family. In fact, women at that time, this was around 2000, had very rarely, if ever, kind of smashed the glass ceiling of actually being a CEO at a large company. So it was not only news for her, it was news that extended beyond her. She got home and her mom was there and she said to her mom, I've got great news. And her mom said, hey, before you do that, uh, can you go get some milk? We're out of milk. And she's like, come on, I, I got this great news. I want to tell you, she said, that's great. Once you get the milk, we can do that. And it's, it's 10 at night. But although she was a high capacity leader, she said, I will do what my mom says. And she left and got the milk, came back, brought it to her mom and said, I am so disappointed. I'm, here's the milk, but I wanted to let you know, I just was named CEO of Pepsi. This is huge news. And Ram said, oh, oh dear, I just want you to understand, when you enter this house, you are a wife, you are a mother, you are a daughter, you are a daughter-in-law, you are a person, and I want to hear about all of that. But just so you know, leave the crown in the garage. I don't want to hear about the other stuff. That was a mic drop moment, wasn't it? And, and it was profound for her because it was a sense of who am I really and what matters. And I tell you that because we're in the middle of a passage we've been looking at, and I'll review a little bit of that, but our tendency, I think, often is we come in and we hear things that we go, that might apply to my spiritual life, but I got a lot of other life I'm bringing in, and we kind of evaluate what we want, and we live with how our life is. And so here's what I'm asking today. Would you leave your crowns in the garage? Would you leave kind of your own mindset of how life should be, how life is, and be willing to set it aside to go, maybe God wants to say something to us outside of our accomplishments and way we think that we kind of self-style and live. Will you do that today? Well, it was a question. Okay. You can say I'm on the fence. It's okay. I just wanted to at least put it out there. No answers like, is this on? Are you here? Hello? So we're going to enter into this. Now, I want to explain a few things before we get into the part of the passage we're in. We call this 21 Days of Prayer, and we do enter into it. We started it two weeks ago. We'll go all the way through next Sunday. It's really a sense of we give the beginning of the year to say we need you, and we're asking God to move. So that's what the gist of that is. We'll come back to it at the end. But what we decided to study for these weeks is a passage in Deuteronomy. Now, for those of you who are familiar with the Bible at all, Here's the funny thing. So the Bible begins Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's called the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the, the writing or the, basically the teachings. Now, what's 
if you've ever read through that first section, this is commonly experienced. Genesis, very interesting, very crazy. These families all need therapy, but God's doing something. Awesome. Great story. You get Exodus, still pretty cool. About halfway through Exodus, you start to hear about this temple they're building, and then you hear about it again, and you're like, oh my goodness, are these craftsmen? Is this a class on how to build things? Uh, and so it can get confusing. Then you get to Leviticus, and it is basically all these rules and laws that oftentimes we can glaze over. And then you move to numbers, and it's basically a who's who and who's when and what, and so it's a list of a lot of names. Now, I'm not trying to make a case to skip those things, but I'm telling you, oftentimes people begin to glass over, and by the time you say Deuteronomy, they're like, I don't need another book like this. <laughs> so let me tell you a couple of things. The most quoted book of the Bible by Jesus is Deuteronomy. Come on, tell me that doesn't surprise you. Due to what? Deuteronomy, which means the second telling of the law. So that part's significant on its own. But I want to be very particular about this chapter. This is chapter 8. And this is what I believe about it. And I think it's why I think it's so significant for us. So this is the chapter where through Moses, God's telling the people of Israel, you've been in this really difficult situation in the desert, all to prepare you to be in this unique land of promise. I'm not just taking you out of Egypt. Now I've touched you through all this season to new life. But I'm going to give you some really important directions on how you're to live because you're about to live in a place you've never understood. And while it seems like it's the dream of life, you have no idea what you're getting into. Now, can you agree with me? We live in the most comfortable time in all of history in terms of what we have available to us. You might say there's some other things. We live in a country that's probably the mo one of the most comfortable and promising of lands. We even consider it a promised land. Agree? Okay, good. Man, just going to keep moving. Uh, and I think for us, we've even been told that if you do and live the right things, you'll get what you want. So if you don't, you blew it. So what I want you to understand is I think this chapter is one we should regularly visit in our own lives. That's what I would tell you. I'm not just asking to do it in a season of prayer. I'm telling you it's a theme to me of something we should understand. So I want to be clear on that. That's where we've been. And I want to walk through just the last two weeks. Uh, I started the series that beautifully led us next week. Because what we're going to get, I just want to review them briefly with you as kind of a simple understanding. And let me preface it this way. So I did this in week one. This uh, right here. Uh, and I'm dragging it over. I just want you to know I could carry it. But if I do, it looks like this. And even though I still mocked it, it's just sad to watch me do that. Like nobody wants to see that. Like I can't unsee that. So we're going to drag it. So this is literally the trunk, all that my grandfather had and put in when he immigrated from Lithuania to America. And I got to tell you too, this is actually the original finish, which is crazy, isn't it? Because not much in my house stays good in any way if I get near it. So somehow it hasn't been tarnished by me, which I can't figure out how. But anyway, when the first week when I talked about this, what I said was like him coming over, all he got to bring was what's in the trunk. And so here's a way to simply understand this passage. God is saying to Israel, I want you to take these things with you into the land of promise. That's what we're looking at. And we literally went through the two major things he says, because he says it this way. Obey these commands. Remember these commands. And they're just two he's giving on how they're to live. That's how it starts. So let me just review them, and then we'll look at where we're going today. So in the first week, we looked at what Moses said that the Lord told him, which is simply this. He, meaning the Lord, humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which you neither you nor your ancestors had known. In other words, he provided in such a way nobody even understood or had ever seen before. 
which is amazing and cool, isn't it? He taught you then that man doesn't live, humanity does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And what we simply talked about in the first week was Israel learned through the desert life that they were dependent on God. In other words, what they did was they learned to rely on him every moment of every day. And so we just talked about carrying with us in our trunk this learned dependence that we learn like the desert life teaches. We live dependent on him all the time. That's where we started. Last week, Thad beautifully took the next section when Moses begins to describe this land of promise, what he's called the land of milk and honey, he's describing all this beauty, all this flourishing, all this thriving that can happen. And he says, and when it happens, when you've eaten and are satisfied, he kind of culminates with this, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Now, I want to explain this, and it's about gratitude. That's what we learned. But I want to give you just one step back in case you don't know. How many of you, this would be more true of people that have grown up in West Michigan grew up in a climate where it was not only good to pray before a meal, but you were supposed to. Even if you're out, like if you're a real Christian, you'll pray out somewhere. How many of you were taught that? Yes, a lot of us were. And I did not grow up in West Michigan, though we were taught to give thanks. I remember moving here when I went to college at Hope, and all of a sudden people prayed in restaurants. And at first it kind of freaked me out, like, what's going on? I've never seen this. And then you have a part of you that's really loving it, but you also have a part of you that's like, this is... Do I have to do this? Am I a bad Christian? Have, I, have you ever asked that question? Oh, if you don't pray before a meal, you are just a lame Christian. You don't have faith. You're not strong. So the reason I'm telling you that is this is the origin. I'll take you all back to why we pray before a meal. And in case you don't know, this is the only reference in the Hebrew Bible to giving thanks. Does it come before or after the meal? After, right? So what God told them was after you eat and you're all going, man, that was good. You should give thanks. You should be grateful. When you have an experience, you should be grateful. By the time Jesus walked the earth, the sages, the prophets, the rabbis had taught, you know what, if God tells us to pray after, let's go above and beyond. Let's give thanks before too. So by the time Jesus walks the earth, that's why it says things like when he gave thanks and he broke bread, any time they were to eat, they would thank the Lord. And just so you know, they would bless God. Thank you, we bless you, God, that you have given us basically food from the ground, drink from the vine, whatever it was. They were blessing God for his provision. It was already blessed because God made it, by the way. So they were just giving thanks. Before and after. You get the posture? So what I want you to understand about this gratitude piece is it's a, such a focus on, hey, we give thanks every chance we get in every way we can. We are basically tuning in to how to be grateful. It's written about in Midrashes. It's, it's basically these rabbis begin to talk about how they interpret these laws. So one of the findings in the first and second centuries that rabbis came up with things to bless. Like they tried to find anything they could give thanks for and they made a blessing out of it. So for example, there was a blessing for after things flowed well from entry to exit. Do you, do you understand what I mean? Eating to, okay. You're welcome. Like, you guys awake? You understand? I didn't want to use the words. I thought I'd just leave it that way. You're welcome. What I want you to get is a posture. The posture is, I want to make it my ambition to see what God's doing that I can give thanks for. This is not about praying in front of people, appearing away. Have you ever done this? God, I thank you. You've provided for us so well. But in your mind, you're thinking, man, I have really rocked it. God gave me stuff, but I made it go. You understand that we can carry our crowns even when we espouse to be grateful. 
And so where we're going today is, it honestly is the part where now Moses is admonishing them. Moses is challenging them. Moses is convicting them. Hey, you've heard it. Be dependent and be grateful. In fact, you might say it this way just to sum it up. Listen, we're dependent on and we're grateful to the Lord. In other words, you want to live the way that we follow him in our life and legacy, whether in desert or in the land of promise, we live out of dependence day by day, moment by moment, and we live out of gratitude day by day and moment by moment. In other words, we leave our crowns in the garage. Now Moses is going to tell us how this gets more difficult when life grows well for us. Let's see where he goes today as we continue. Verse 11, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. I always, when I see be careful, I like to picture it like an air horn. Did, it, did any of you ever use air horns? It's not a common thing in your family? Well, it is in mine. And uh, one of my boys uh, used to like to, they would go to golf courses and hide. And when people were about to hit a ball, they would blast the air horn. Maybe you think that's not good, but I hold great pride in that. I just love that. So to me, when I hear be careful, what I'm saying is, hey, pay attention. This is important. Don't miss this. And if I had an air horn, I'd blast it, but I can't walk around with you all week. Can you imagine that? I don't think I'm paying attention. Maybe you should get them in your homes. And you know what? If you see someone in your family, they're not paying attention. Let me know how that goes. All right, back to this. He's saying, don't forget the Lord your God. And guess what? Failing to observe his commands, that's part of forgetting him. His laws, his decrees I'm giving you today. What were the decrees? We live dependent on him, we live in gratitude to him. We live dependent on him, we live in gratitude to him. You want to know what we put in this trunk? It's very simply dependence and gratitude. Dependence and gratitude. Make sense? We're there so far. All right, good. So what he's saying is this is going to be your tendency. You will find it easy to forget him. Man, I do not want that to happen. I don't want you to forget him. And now he explains how that happens. Otherwise, if you don't follow this, if you don't live in dependence and gratitude, here's what's going to happen. When you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, he's going to tell us what happens, but I want you to consider what happens when our lives increase. Think about your own life. Have you ever had something go well and you start to think, I'm killing it. Man, I must, God must be kind of pleased with me. Or maybe you even forget him and go, I'm kind of pleased with me. Other people should be pleased with me. I'm doing pretty well. I like to call it this way. We, instead of being Barry Sanders, we become Dion Sanders. I mentioned that last service and like five people came to me and go, I don't even know what that means. I'm like, all right, I guess I better explain it a little bit better because I didn't explain it very well last time. So in case you don't know, by the way, how many of you have heard of Barry Sanders, just so I know? Okay, and if you haven't, you're a child. Um, but, but basically, let me say it this way. Barry was an unbelievable running back for Detroit. And I would say the best ever, not because I'm proud or anything, it's just true. Okay, I'll throw the crown up. Anyway, when Barry did things that seemed unbelievable and he scored, do you know what he did? He just gave the ref the ball and walked back. He never created some dance, had this moment to be like, look at me, I'm awesome. And the thing was, it's how he talked everywhere. So I don't think it was just a feigning. I legitimately don't think he thought more highly of himself in those moments. Now, in case you don't know who Deion Sanders is, that dude thought highly of himself even when he just looked at a mirror. 
Like, and he still does. Like, I'm awesome. I'm better than everyone. Now he's coaching in Colorado. He's like, you should play for me because I'm just better than everyone. So he elevated himself. Do you see the difference? But can you, can you and I agree, which are you more like? I'll just tell you you're more like Dion, but I'm telling you that I am too. It's so funny. I will say I'm really insecure and I don't have that, but it does not take much for that to shift for me. Anybody else like me? Just show of hands. Yeah, you tell the other people they are too, will you? I'm just kidding. Here's the deal. I think we're very prone to elevate ourselves when things begin to go well. And that's all he's saying. And can we agree, if we're in the most comfortable, wealthiest time in history, in the most wealthy country in history, in the most wealthy circumstance, with the most advantages, do you think we might be the most prone to forget God and think highly of ourselves? And that's simply all Moses is saying. Hey, when you do this, you're going to start thinking, hey, I can't even fix things in my house. But I look at my house and go, that's my house. Yeah, it's my house. Everything about it that's good, I did nothing about. But I sure like to pretend it's my house. So those of you who are builders, that's awesome. And I envy you and I think it's great. You're still not better than me. <laughs> Though lots of you might think so and probably be true. Now he's going to define the very things I'm pointing to. He says, when that happens, your heart will become proud. You know, the story of the Grinch, he's a curmudgeon, and he begins to see and love people, and his heart grows. The story of us, when our life goes well, is our heart tends to grow for us. Can we admit we're all prone to it? We're all prone to elevate and diminish, to elevate and diminish, to forget God and think, look what I have done. And, and I don't want to deny the fact that many of you have accomplished great things. Many of you have stories of overcoming and working hard and overcoming incredible obstacles. And I'm not saying that you didn't do that. What I'm saying is it doesn't make you any better or any worse. And somehow, we all are prone to grade people differently based on that. This is an admonition to go, man, leave your crown in the garage. I'm just going to let that sit there for a while. Sounds good, doesn't it? All right. Let me give you some things you might consider if you struggle with pride or, or just ways to ask yourself maybe you do. Like, is your heart growing proud? Are there ways you live life that might actually create this in your own life? So here's just a couple of questions I found helpful. One is, if you start to think you're better than, brighter than, maybe it's wiser than, more popular than, more charismatic than, if you look and you begin to grade people differently, and especially if you elevate yourself, pride's probably growing in your heart. And, and, and I want to be clear, most of us are broken even when we're proud. So we, we do it, but we, you do realize it never has a security because whatever you're doing well it might change tomorrow. In other words, it's an unconquerable problem. Let me give you a few more questions to go with. We've got four of them. Maybe you work harder than. Do you ever have this where you go, listen, I've been given things. I will outwork my friends, and I get ahead of them because I work harder. They may even be smarter, but I work harder. And that translates to, not saying you don't work harder. I'm better than, and God loves me more than, and I get more because that's how God is. God is basically a rewarder for the things that we do well and don't. That's how God functions. He kind of gives out based on how hard we work and what we do. Let me take you to another one. 
I'm a self-made success. I earned it. I kind of talked about that already. But I want to contrast that. We look at our lives and earn it, and then if people don't do well, it's because they didn't. And so what it leads us to, if your heart is less compassionate to others, what it's saying is if I were in your situation, I would handle it differently. Maybe you think it's because you're more gifted. Maybe it's because you think you're just smarter. Maybe it's because you say I would have more grit and I would work through it. And this person is a little weakling that will not. Low compassion, high pride. And I speak to this in particular because I've noticed of late, we couch it in different language now. Now we couch it as truth. Like that's your truth, this is their truth. And then we say as Christians, there's only one truth, which is true by the way. But we're hearing the wrong message. The message is that's my experience and that's yours. It isn't about truth. It's about you don't really know someone else's life like you think you do. And so when there's pride, we tend to have low compassion, high personal value. And in case you don't know, that's not just individual. We do this even culturally. Right? You having fun? Good. I'm having fun too. I got to tell you this one thing that happened last service. I fixed it since then. I went to the next slide and started talking about more things. And then I went to the next slide and they were the same slide. I don't know how I missed it. And it took me a couple minutes to figure out. And I was like, well, I guess God decided I use, could use a little pride. I'm crank, crank along. Like, hey, we're getting there. And the guy's like, no. Boom. Take it down, buddy. No, I did it. I made the stupid move. But it was like, I am literally sitting there going, I don't know why there's two of the same slides. Are you impressed by me right now? I just thought I'd share that with you. I did fix the slides. I thought I could tell you about it, but I'm not going to do that again. It was really brutal. Now he's going to expand from there. He says, not only does your heart become proud, you forget God. You will forget the Lord, your God. And it's interesting to me. I don't think, I don't think you forget him in the sense of, I forgot there is a God. And I think we often espouse that God is there. What we forget is who he really is and who we really are. And it's easy to happen, isn't it? Because here's what happens. This is God and this is all of humanity, Right? The better I get, what do you think happens to God? In our best case, we become his peer. Hey, me and JC, man, we're doing it together. I'm kind of a senior partner, and if you people would be like me as I'd be like him, you'd be better off. Doesn't that sound horrible and pathetic? Don't worry, I'm horrible and pathetic. I think that happens. I think we begin to make God smaller and dismiss him the more we feel comfortable with what we have accomplished. I want to give you one added picture of this that I think is true in our culture, in our particular area right now. So when my grandpa came over from Lithuania, he wanted to bring with him his culture, who he had been. And my grandmother and grandfather tried to. And by the time my dad was born, you know, he, they were in their 40s when they had him. My dad was American. He lived in America. My, he had his parents that were hard to understand and wanted to do things he didn't want to be part of. And that slowly got kind of lost. It got just acculturated. Well, I want you to understand that's true of Israel too. So after they get into this land of promise, uh, they live in it for a while and they start to forget God in different ways. And there are basically there are two segments of Israel now. There's the northern section with 10 tribes and there's the lower southern with two. The southern get taken by Babylonia and captured and they're all taken to one area so they're still together. In other words, they're still part of who they are. The 10 tribes get taken to Assyria later and they basically get spread throughout in all these other cultures and guess what happens? They kind of get lost. In fact, they're still called the lost tribes. And part of what I want you to understand today is 
it is easy to get lost as who we are as followers of Jesus in the world we live in. Because quite honestly, you and I have very little understanding collectively of any history or heritage in our own cultures because we're a melting pot, aren't we? I don't want you to miss this. We're grafted into Israel. In other words, this story is our story too. So if you didn't understand that, you need to not look and go, oh, look at them. This is us. This is us. I want you to see it because I want you to see what happens. After he says you'll forget God, he then gives them reminders of what God had done while they're in the desert. He says, by the way, he brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty, waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought water out of a hard rock. That's not the Hard Rock Cafe, just so you know, too. Now, if you knew the story more in depth, it, it implies some bigger things. When God takes them out of Egypt, they've been in slavery for 400 years. It isn't long after that, guess what they say? You got us out here to die. Meh, take us back to slavery. They're not pleased with what happened. They lose it like that and want to go back. You know what God does? He helps them anyway. Come on, isn't that a great part of our journey? Every story up there is like that. You want to know when they don't have food and they don't have water? They do not go, oh, Lord, help us. They whine and moan. Even when he provides manna for them, they complain, oh, manna, we have that every day. Blah. And he then provides all this meat from birds that basically just comes to them all the time. And it says, I will fill your nostrils full of this thing. Like it's kind of when you're not grateful, I'll show you gratitude. Eat away. But he still helps them. Again and again. And again, this is who God is, by the way. When we are faithless, when we miss it, when we live for ourselves, he still wants and provides. Come on, isn't that amazing? Don't you want to be dependent and grateful? And he continues kind of to a culmination of this story. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well for you. Wow. That's our legacy. Do you know that? Our legacy is a God who says, I want you to be dependent and grateful. Oh, and I want to caution you because it will be really easy when life goes well to become proud and to forget me. Can we agree both those things are hard for us? Can we agree we need both encouragement and admonition? Can you take a good quick smack? Because that's what I'm giving today. No extra charge. But it's a smack I'm taking too. I love it. James, when he writes to the early church, says it this way. He says, listen, those of you who are rich, rejoice and have pride in your low position. You, you do realize that sounds confusing, doesn't it? And he says, those of you who are in difficult and humble circumstances, rejoice and have pride in your high position. In other words, when you got a lot, what do you need? You need to be taken down. When you had little, you need to be lifted up. Do you know how Jesus is described as Messiah when they prepare the way for him? It says the mountains will be brought low, the valleys will be lifted up. You know, we say it in the church that everyone's level at the cross. <laughs> there's Jesus and there's us. And what this incredible word of commandment and encouragement is this. 
this is how you live in a way that you live like that. There's Jesus and there's us. And in case you don't know, this is probably the most important piece, and we'll come back to it more next week. The land of milk and honey and promise is not the reward. How we live in it with him is the reward. In other words, he's the reward. He's the reward in the desert. He's the reward in the land of promise. And I don't know about you, and I'm not pleased to admit this, but I think I do better in the desert than I do in the land of promise. Like, it's hard to live in the land of promise and not get proud, isn't it? Can we agree? So I don't want to miss what this means. This is how I want to say it to you, though, going out here today. You see, we'll, we'll forget God or remember him day by day. In other words, it's not one moment like, I just decide to forget God. It's how you live before and after a meal. It's how you live at five in the evening. It's how you live in the morning. It's how you live at work. It's how you live at home. It's how you live. It's will I live dependent and grateful or will I live elevating myself and forgetting him? If you were to think of it this way, it's an equation. Dependence plus gratitude minus pride equals remembering the Lord. It sounds simple, but it sure lives hard, doesn't it? Now, let me take this to a conclusion this way with 21 days of prayer. We invited you to have 21 days of prayer because if we can get you forming a habit for 21 days of dependence and gratitude. By the way, that, all you can think of is, do I ask God for what I need? And do I give thanks as he lives and helps me in my life? Ask him, gratitude. Need him, gratitude. If you can cultivate that pattern, you think you're much more likely to remember and engage and find him more meaningful than what it does in your life? You bet. So here's what I'd say. If you haven't engaged in 21 days, I realize we're in the last week. Listen, you go to allshores.org slash 21, sign up anyway. Sign up for 20 minutes. You'll have 20 minutes. You did it every day this week. That's a start, isn't it? By the way, when it's over, we're not like, well, you prayed, get back to what you're doing. Resume your regular life. We're going, now take that and live it. We, had a, we have an app on there, too, that gives a Bible plan. It's 21 days. And I go, oh, crap, I'm two weeks late. How do I get caught up? Don't get caught up. Just start. What would it be for you today, tomorrow, to say, you know what? I want to live this thing differently. I want to be someone who's dependent and someone who's grateful. And God, I want you. This is the most dangerous part. What if you started to pray, God, where I have pride, would you humble me? God, where I'm broken and feel so unworthy, would you remind me of how loved I am and yours, even in the most broken places? Dangerously powerful prayer, isn't it? I prayed it, and I had to have an extra slide in here to remind me of how, how I needed a little pro load today. <laughs> All right, I want to pray, and we're going to have a time to reflect following it, but let me pray for us. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to come freshly to each person, wherever they are. God, I pray for those that uh, just have kind of fallen into living life measuring up that they've somehow separated. I need you for my sins, but when it comes to my physical life, it's merit. God, would you reveal to us truth that we need you in every way, at every time, in every place. Those places we've forgotten, would you help us remember? Those places our hearts have grown proud, would you bring us low? Those places we feel so unworthy, would you elevate your love to show that you love us so much that while we're sinners in the brokenness, you love and forgive us by your death and resurrection. Lord, I pray for any among us that do not follow you. I don't know if it'll be a feeling or a thought, but would you tell them you want them to discover you, that you're there and you love them and you're for them? 
Would you invite them? Would they respond? Lord, I'm asking that you might lead them to respond to be part of your people. Receiving forgiveness, walking with you in dependence and in gratitude. And for the rest of us, wherever we are in that relationship, God, would you help us to either rediscover, awaken, or deepen seeing, remembering, and living alongside of you. And I'm praying very specifically, God, that our aim will not be our own life or our own land of promise, but you. Would you show us that you're better than any circumstance? Would you help us to get off the treadmill trying to get more and do better and be bigger and be yours instead? Oh God, do whatever you want to do to press, to move, to transform, to convict. I pray this in the name and power of Jesus. Amen. Let me invite you to stand. We're going to worship in response, and we're going to have communion as well, and I'll guide us in that. This whole time of response is a way to go. The Spirit's going to continue to lead. Maybe as you sing, words will hit you. Maybe as we receive communion, God's presence will be there for you. Just be responsive. Whatever you want to say, Lord, as I give myself to you. And very clearly, make this song a prayer because it's an invitation for God to do what he needs to to keep us in a posture of humility and remembering. In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil I now surrender, you are breaking new ground. So I yield to you and to your careful hand. When I trust you, I don't need to understand. So make me a vessel, make me an offering, make me whatever you want me to be. all that you have given me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil seated for just a few minutes. 
we're going to celebrate communion, the Lord's Supper, what the church has done since Jesus' death and resurrection. You should have had cups when you came in. The top layer is the bread, and the bottom layer is the cup, in a sense. We don't have any stipulations. You don't have to be a member here. We're not trying to regulate it. But we want you to know, if you're not a follower of Jesus, and this is not meaningful, we don't want you to feel any obligation to participate. But we do think it's the way God reveals himself. And so I want to remind you, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread. He gave thanks. Because you thank God before. You thank him afterwards. And then he breaks it. He says, this is my body given for you. (laughs) What I love about when we receive this before we do is this is a place where we are both dependent and grateful. Because you know what? His death for us is something none of us can do on our own. Like we need him to forgive us. We need him to take our place. But it also brings victory and new life that he gives us a spirit to live differently dependent on him and grateful to him. What a beautiful picture. Let's take of the bread together. In the same way, Jesus took the cup. He said, this is a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. The bitterness of his death brings the sweetness of our forgiveness and new life. Tell me, that's not amazing. Like we want to drink in the truth of what he's done for us because we couldn't do it for ourselves. We don't look back at a legacy and go, oh, those people, why did they not understand what he did for them? Can we be honest? We all whine and complain and struggle. And God keeps saying, I'm here, I love you. I'm here, I forgive you. I'm here, I give new life to you. Let's drink that in. And then I want to tell you, before we sing to kind of close out this time, I love the words we're about to sing about what he does when we're best inviting him to press and to change us and to transform us and to literally bring us to surrender. When he moves and there's new wine, there's new power. Like the resurrection is a power that helps us. It's not we suddenly have to do this on our merit. It's we can't do it. By the way, dependence and gratitude are what we have because God's the one that needs to change us and help us. So I want you not just to sing this as a declaration. I want you to sing it as a prayer. I want you to sing it as a proclamation that we not only are asking him to bring it, we're believing he will for all of us. Let's stand together as we worship. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Because where there is new wine, there is new power, there is new freedom. So make me
blessing before you head out, but as I, I found this happened to me both services too, it, there's a joy when I get to look out when we're singing and worshiping, and uh, the gratitude. You know, we're family. Like, you guys continue to be my family, and I get to serve you now for decades. Like, you might be praying I die soon, because it's just like I'm still here. Sorry, I just thought I'd get raunchy on this. I am so grateful that we get to be his together. I'm so grateful that we can be broken together. And go, listen, I want to know more what it means to be dependent. I want to be brought low where I need to be brought low and lifted where I need to. And I want us to have that. And the crazy thing is, I'm telling you, many Christians don't believe God actually wants this for us. And I do. And I think you do too. And I'm grateful that we get to go about this together. Whatever it brings, whether it's the land of promise or the desert, I'm grateful we get to be this together. And I just want you to know that. So it is a joy when I get to say a blessing over you and give you that as you leave. So let me have you place your hands out. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, may he continue to fill you with the Spirit. <laughs> may you know that new wine and that new life and that new power and that new fire. May you increasingly depend on him out of joy and need. And may you increasingly walk in gratitude looking more and more for where he's moving and what he's doing. And may your circumstance never dictate your joy, but may he become your aim in life for his glory and our joy collectively. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.